Hello, hello, cryptid enthusiasts and truth seekers. Welcome to Bizarre Encounters. I am Shane, along with my good friend and co-host, Ghost. How's it going today, bro? It's going good, man. How are you? Not really doing... excited to get into this shit. Oh, yeah. We got some uh, really cool stuff coming for you guys. Uh, we're not just going to be doing interviews on this show. Let's just say, the, say that. We're going to be hopping into some other stuff. We're going to be doing some weird different lists. I have a couple different things in mind in the future. But today for you, we're going to be doing... Humanoid cryptids, land, air, and sea. And I'll tell you, you gave me some homework. <laughs> <laughs> gave myself some homework, man. I ended up with uh, yeah. eight, eight pages worth of uh, worth of notes here, and I couldn't find enough like solid sightings that weren't pictures. As far as mm. like the last one goes, so I did way too much extra on that one, trying to at least fill it up with like folklore around it, all that kind of stuff. Because it's it's a really interesting cryptid, but. It's again, it's like uh, you can find pictures of it, but there's not very many like written out stories of people talking about it or how exactly they came about getting the pictures in the first place. So, yeah, it was only like one real solid report from a, a government uh, marine biologist or something like that. that and, and nobody knew if that was even true. So Yeah. So it's, it's I don't know, kind of hard with that one, but there's a lot of good like theories behind it, though. So that's why we're still going to end up hitting it. But getting everybody a little mm-hmm. bit pre excited for the end. But we got some other cool ones coming ahead first. Um, but before we get into that, uh, we got uh, Ghost is doing something pretty interesting this weekend that we want to touch base on and give you some more information on next week. Yeah, uh, tomorrow, a uh, co-worker who has been on Talk at the Tavern, Rory, uh, him and I are going down to Harrisburg first, which is the capital of Pennsylvania, and checking out some beer stores because... Obviously, the capital, you can get more more selections and what have you. And we both like drinking beers. Everybody knows Ghost likes drinking beer. So after that, um, we're going to go down to Gettysburg. I haven't been there since I was in fifth grade. And we're going to do the the walking tour of that. And I think I think they have Little Round Top and Devil's, Den, Devil's Tower or Devil's Den or whatever it, it was. I think they have that reopened. Um, they had it closed for a little while. So we're kind of hoping... It is open. And then after that, we paid for a tour. And I think it was only like 14 bucks each. And we're going into a, a haunted orphanage. So yeah, it'll be the first time I'm going actively seeking paranormal and ghosts. Uh, they've always kind of found me. And we'll see. We'll see what we, we come back with. I know I'm taking my my phone, plan on taking a whole bunch of pictures. So and who knows? Maybe we'll get some recordings. It's a good prelude because we're trying to cover uh 
not just cryptids on the show, but aliens, the paranormal, any type of like being or phenomenon. Mm -hmm. So just kind of gets us a little bit more well-rounded. And as far as like my front goes, I've been uh, tracking some possible Bigfoot locations. So hopefully in upcoming episodes, I can touch base on that a little bit and I can give you some information if I happen to you know, come across any important information as far as that front goes. But I'm in the Michigan area, but I've been noticing that there's been a lot of like weirdness as far as like Bigfoot sightings closer to my area, where when I was looking mm-hmm. as far as the past, it seemed like they were primarily up in the UP towards the top of the state. But it seems like there's been a ridiculous amount of encounters, sightings, people hearing things uh, starting back in June all around kind of the area that I'm in. So I feel like they possibly might be moving south for some reason, but we'll guess get into that in the future once I'm able to uh, do a little bit more on it. But again, just a little uh, prelude to what's coming in the future. Yeah. yeah, And you hit on a great point on that because uh, there are encounters on different shows that are out there um, with people in Michigan having a lot of Sasquatch encounters. And it is right around the June july august time frame where they're getting these these vocals or uh tree knocks and or just shaking of trees whatever the case may be and then right around late fall it kind of just drops off so it's like are they 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 are speculated to be moving maybe from the up and kind of coming down maybe towards you know, Midwest where it's a little bit warmer in the winter, you know, I don't know, but if they can live in Alaska, I don't know why they would need to migrate to warmer because they're covered in hair, but you know, hey, nobody has one in their backyard so, or base or, or their garage. <laughs> Take your pick. That we know of. <laughs> that, yes, that we know of. But it seemed like we we're talking about it on the last episode that they were kind of staying um, in the UP in the th- big thick areas and then when it started getting towards like winter they'd kind of spread out and as Justin was referencing they'd follow like the fish essentially so mm-hmm. i don't know it seems like a totally different migration pattern considering that up until recently there was almost no sightings down over by my area and then all of a sudden there's like this up spike of in each county i was looking at there was at least 25 which is super weird so hopefully i can get you some more information on that in the future and figure out what might be going on with that cuz i'm definitely fascinated with it Heck yeah, maybe maybe one of these days you and I can go on a, a Sasquatch adventure. Who, know, who knows? That's but the hope, man. Yeah, maybe, hopefully we come back alive. You know what's funny too is that you, uh, I was thinking about doing that and trying to get something together hopefully in the next couple months and I ironically bought a Rode microphone that attaches to my phone so if we theoretically did some stuff like that we could record and have some good audio doing it. So at least we're covered on the audio end where we can at least keep people informed on what's going on as it's happening. Oh yeah, that sounds awesome. I need to look into that myself. Or just banter in the process. I mean, not bad at all. It was only uh, 30 bucks on uh, eBay. So really not bad bad at all. No, not for road. And it's like a, from what I was reading from the reviews, it's a pretty good quality one. So we'll see how it turns out and hopefully I can do a little bit more in the future. And the hope with that too is that if I ever, if I carry it around with me, I'm out and about. I hear about somebody talking about some type of paranormal encounter or cryptid encounter or anything like that. I'll have access to be able to just pull this thing out of my pocket and say, would you like to tell your story? And hopefully I can bring more to the show as far as trying to do that segment we're talking about in the beginning with personal encounters. So maybe I can go Mm -hmm. out and get them myself and I'll have access to do it and not have crappy phone quality to do it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I noticed we've been getting some emails, uh, people uh, curious about coming on the show or curious about the show. So that's good considering the, the first episode, you know, just recently dropped and 
you know, by the time they're hearing this, it'll have been dropped for probably close to a month or whatever. But yeah, it's it's pretty exciting considering how I mean, both of us have our own shows, but starting one together, I mean, it seems to be doing good. People seem to be, you know, catching traction with with liking it. So yeah, people are definitely interested. So that's that's definitely a plus. And we we already got guests booked out for the next uh say like month and a half or so with some of these solo type episodes also incorporated. So we got a lot coming for you and don't expect it to stop anytime soon because we got a we got a lot of a lot of good stuff for you guys coming in the future. Yes. Yes we do. And I'm excited. I, I love this because you're bringing out a, a side that I'm I'm not the strongest in researching because when it comes to researching, I get ADHD and <laughs> get way off topic. And oh, I was supposed to be looking at uh, this dog man, and now I'm on to like a turtle cryptid. And it's like I got to get back to what I'm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you 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 did a really good job at, at research and laying out some some ground notes for for this episode for sure. And I got to thank you for that because it was it was good reading through them and and a couple of them I I was pretty familiar with, but it. The last one that we will be touching on, I wasn't really familiar with, and mainly because I have to put a disclaimer out there, I'm not the biggest fan of, I guess, sea cryptids. Like Loch Ness Monster, I, I obviously everybody knows of, and and you know, either believe or you don't, whatever. But I I feel with like the sea cryptids, people get really really out there with their imagination on what they are or what they've seen. You know what I mean? It's just because it's hard to have like a, like you see something in front of you on land. It's a little bit easier to get a description of it when it's in water. Mm -hmm. It's all distorted. It's kind of hard to tell. And then you got the thing that the ocean's so vast and big that it's like anything could be down there. So that's again, where the imagination starts to spread. But at the same time though, like I feel like half of the water cryptids could be, extremely factual, totally probable. And then the other half may just be something that people misunderstood what they saw, but they just have a lot of uh, like wonder behind them just because mm-hmm. there's no way, even in, even in like certain lakes, there's no way that you could check all of the bottom because theoretically something big could still move around where you couldn't even see it. So it's like it's so hard to actually get solid evidence on water cryptids because of how vast the water is. I don't know. It just brings a different like mysticism to it, I guess. It it does, and and it's funny you say that because I was watching uh, a documentary docu series today, and they were talking about Crater Lake. I believe it's in it's either Oregon or Washington, um, but the the natives for years only the medicine man men of the tribes knew where it was and kept it guarded. But it's I think the deepest lake. It's like over two thousand feet deep, and it's like ice cold and what have you. But people will go to the edge and be lured in and jump off and then somehow are still alive after jumping off this edge and then walk and take their walk in and and drown themselves. And there's supposed to be like this big, uh, cryptid crawfish or dragon type being that lives under in that walk, that, that lake and what have you. But I don't know. It It was very interesting for sure. Well, I mean, even just considering that there's water caverns too, like I feel like there's mm-hmm. some validity to that just because it's something that would normally live in some type of hole. But altogether though, water cryptids in general, even if somebody's doing scans of the water, whatever, there's so many different holes, caverns that could lead into totally different passages. Like just because it's seen in that lake doesn't necessarily mean that that's like where it lives. It may be in right. a cave that's attached to the lake. So you may never find it if it doesn't want to come out of its hole, you know? Very true. Very true. But <clears throat> well, let's get into this. 
The first one you got was Mantis Man, which I was familiar with. I, I, I got to be honest, I was actually really familiar with this one because my dumbass, I guess if you want to call it dumbass, I, I only watch like Discovery and shit. So, you know, Monsters and Mysteries in America, Monster Quest, you know, all those are like my you my old go-tos, you know what I mean? And and Mantis Man was actually covered on on one of those episodes and I was like, "Holy shit, he picked Mantis Man as as the first one to cover." I'm like, "Good. That's good. I like that." See, I like this one just because there's a bunch of different uh like theories that could go with it, but yes. you know, I was trying to find a land cryptid that people don't talk about as much as other ones. Like I know people know about it, of course, but it's not as talked about. So I figured it'd be a good one to get into on the first episode. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I like I like where I like the way your mind works. We we are both crazy in our own little ways. So. Exactly. And it kind of comes together. <laughs> and hopefully people will love the flow as we get along with it. <laughs> yeah. We're both bizarre. Totally. Hence bizarre encounters. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so the mantis man, it's a insectoid uh type of creature. Okay, so it's reportedly sighted near um, Hackettstown, New Jersey. Now, I'm not really familiar exactly where Hackettstown, New Jersey is, but New Jersey's not that big. So take your throw a dart and you're probably pretty close to wherever <laughs> Hackettstown is. Um, but it was originally uh, seen by these two fishermen. Uh, the creature was described as standing about seven feet high, having mandibles, which are jaws, okay, and large, intense black eyes. One observer described the creature as fading as it moved up the riverbank where it was spotted, leading to speculation that perhaps the beast was using some kind of cloaking or camouflage to blend into its surroundings. Uh, the second observer reported hearing uh, humming, I guess, coming from it, which kind of makes sense because praying mantises do make, they don't really make a big sound, but when they do fly, you, you, you can hear their wings kind of flutter. It's like a vibration you, kind of noise yeah. almost. Because do you have praying mantises where you are? Oh, yeah. I, I actually, oh. weirdly enough, uh, t- two days ago when I was walking into work, I found this giant female. Oh, little fun fact for people, uh, if they don't know, the females for praying mantises are way bigger than the males. And usually after they mate, the female will you know kill the male. But I found a giant. F- yeah, exactly. Hence <laughs> praying mantis. That's how they grab them and stuff. But uh-huh. I found this big female on the wall um, next to my work and I wanted to get smashed. So I ended up pulling her off, setting her on the tree and stuff just because I find them fascinating. But yeah, funny you bring that up. <laughs> yeah. You it, got them all over. <laughs> well, here they were, I don't know if it was nationally, but as, growing up, we were always told that they were endangered. They were a protected insect because they obviously weren't that many in numbers, but it, they seem to have made a really big comeback. Obviously, if they were on the endangered species list, you know, people not killing them and letting them mate and go through their thing, that would bring them back, you know, just like like we see now with the resurgence of the bald eagles. So, I mean, they got really good camouflage, just their shade of green, generally, at yeah. least in my state that they have versus like hiding on a plant. Like even if they were endangered, like they may not have been endangered in the first place. They just may not have seen them because, again, they have really good camouflage and mm-hmm. they weren't paying attention to them because praying mantises are one of those things that you will easily skip over if you're not looking for it. Yes. Same with a walking stick. Yeah, that's even worse than a praying mantis. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I, I had just said the, the second observer, um, he heard humming and feeling tingling sensation and seeing the mantis man spread its wings when observed by him in a, a threatening gesture. So if anybody's familiar, they do. They will stand like a, a praying mantis will stand up 
it will kind of spread its wings a, li- a little bit and it puts its uh its front legs up in like a, a fighting posture basically you know and, and if you look into you know certain martial arts you know the mantis stance is derived from the praying mantis um praying mantises don't uh usually spend their times in water which this is why it, it this one is kind of a little different uh they usually spend their times on leaves like you were just saying and forest though the mantis may be able to swim in shallow water I don't know. I've never seen one swim, but I guess they could. Um, but you know, this, this thing's, you know, seven feet tall, uh, with, with its huge size, it can touch the bottom of the river without its whole body, uh, drift, drifting away through the current In all of the reports, the mantis man doesn't harm any. It's likely afraid of people who encounter it because it seems to always run away when people get close. So, that explains okay it's camouflaging uh you and i were talking beforehand um I, we can wait to get into kind of that or we can jump right into it about you know their where they might come from or who they actually kind of might be we can hop into that with uh the explanations and theories at the end i think that'd okay. be a good spot to stick it yeah so i guess uh we'll hop into some of the sightings um for this particular one all of these were exact wording said from the people who had seen them so i'm going to read them word for word so that you know exactly what the uh experiencers encounterers whatever you want to call them uh said directly so this would this would be the very first person that first saw the mantis man which is the first fisherman i am chest high in the river the first thing i see was the grasshopper thigh by bending forward like a human then the whole form he is looking at me over his shoulder moving up the bank astonished amazed the witness wrote. He claims the sighting occurred in Hackerton while he was fly fishing. A similar sighting was also reported near Stevens State Park while two men were fishing around dusk. The pair described the creature as a gray and black six to seven foot tall praying mantis looking man. Imagine coming across something like that. Like Bigfoot's one thing, but I don't know. Like This is like a giant praying mantis. Like the female literally eats the head off the male after after they mate. And if you look at them, man, they're they're a scary looking insect. And then you're telling me this one's walking on two two legs and and, and kind of coming at you. I'd be like, what the fuck? And if it's seven foot tall, that means that a normal human size be equivalent to a female to a male of the normal species. So like theoretically, they'd be able to just bite your head off no problem because they're already able to do it to the males when they're scale size smaller. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> be like, uh, yeah, I'm out of here. <laughs> Either that or I'm, I'm, I'm blasting the, the pistol at it. One of the two. I feel like I don't know even know what how I'd react because I'd be like very curious about it. Where it's one of those things where it's like you wouldn't want to shoot at it unless it comes at you. But if it just kind of like stares at you, it's almost like the endangered species concept where it's like you morally don't want to shoot it because you're curious of what it is. But like once you're in that situation where it's going to take your life, then you have to react. But if it just was like in front of me, staring at me, I don't think I would pull anything out to react until it started like charging at me. True. Yeah. Because if it just ran off, I wouldn't start shooting at it or anything. Because honestly, it's like, it's that whole idea of science that I don't really understand that you kill it to figure out about it when realistically the best way to figure out about anything is to observe it. So like, why would you kill it to learn about it? That doesn't make any sense. You can't figure out what it does, what it's been doing. Like, at that point, you only know the anatomy of it. Like, observe it in nature. And when it dies, yeah. 
then you take it and do the autopsy, figure out about the insides. And then you got a full life worth of figuring out exactly what they do and how they react. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense than, you know, like you said, just fucking blown its head off or whatever. And then what, what, okay, you got the anatomy and you can research what it ate. That doesn't tell you a whole hell of a lot. Yeah, you could literally, even if you got a hold of it and shot it with like some kind of like trank dart, theoretically, you could put a tracker on it or something. And like, there's just so many other options. Like, I never got that like concept of science to kill yeah. it to figure out about it. Like, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but they didn't do it with a, uh, the great apes. <laughs> they observed <laughs> them in nature for many, many years. That's because right. the cryptids and the aliens, all that kind of stuff, they don't want them out and about, I guess. So they, it's like they don't really have another option, I guess. Like, either way, yeah. they're taking it out regardless. So it's either going to get thrown away or probably incinerated because they don't want anybody to find it or two, they're going to tear it apart. And that's kind of probably how they see it or how I assume that they would see it. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, sighting number two took place in Hackettstown, New Jersey. Uh, the stretch of the, I'm going to probably butcher this because it's a, probably a native American name, which is very popular here on uh, the East coast. And even out towards where Shane lives, we name a lot of things after local tribes, such as the Susquehanna River you know, that I'm right by. The stretch of the uh, Muscantong River here is unusual in that its West Bank borders Route 46, a local highway congested with lots of stores. But the East Bank, where we were fishing, borders fields and farmlands. No banks to speak of on the developed side. But the sloping bank on the rural side was high, like 10 feet. Uh, is what they're reporting. A strip of trees about 10 to 20 yards thick separated the river from the fields beyond, but but there was the occasional gap or path, which about 20 yards wide, that allowed clear access to the river. Like I w- was saying before, uh, in, in farmlands, you know, a lot of farmers, I don't know how they, d- they wait to the river's low here with the Susquehanna, and they drive these big tractors across on these islands, and, you know, they plant their cord and harvest them. So that could be you know kind of what they're referring to here uh when i saw the mantis man it was one of the uh in one of those gaps moving back up the bank towards the fields looking back at me over its left shoulder about 15 to 20 yards away so understand that it was several feet above me i looked up i was looking up at it uh a framed clearly against that blank white sky like a full ghost apparition it was indeed clear but nevertheless nearly transparent and and fading fast. Then it evaporated mid-stride. Again, I stressed the, the strong impression that the mantis man was cloaked, and I caught it just just right. It abruptly found itself against a new slash blank background and was adjusting quickly. No, I do not believe it slipped into another dimension or plane. I detected movement, and I first saw the strong left thigh, a strong right calf, then the whole thing immediately, th- those eyes and face. The whole encounter was only a couple seconds. I could, I could not tell with any strong certainty that its feet or hands looked like. I was looking, I, I wasn't looking there, I, but I can tell you that it, its arms were normal and that it, its literal mantis forelegs I have recently seen in drawings of these quote unquote aliens. So that's starting to get into uh, a little bit of the theories, but we'll touch base on that a little bit more after the sighting. Um, yeah. But yeah, that guy, that was his his exact wording, and the way he kind of like worded it was a little bit weird, so that one's kind of a little bit hard to go through. But <laughs> Yeah, that, that was a tongue twister. You're going to have some editing to do on that one. <laughs> I apologize. No worries at all. That's what post-editing's for, man. <laughs> yeah. 
But let's get into the third encounter then. Um, unlike the first two on Monsters and Mysteries in America, there was, in fact, another sighting of the Mantis Man. The police report tells that another person, Mr. Strickler, saw the Mantis Man in a riverbank. And then this is when he goes into what he says. I saw something strange a few weeks ago on the Muscatong River near my home in Hackettstown, New Jersey. I was driving home from the drugstore on Newburgh Road. As I drove near the bridge over the river, I noticed my left. I noticed something to my left. I thought a fisherman standing in the river just off the south bank. I slowed the car and looked closer. It wasn't a person. It was a transparent-like weird shape. It moved slowly towards the bank and into the trees. I drove further so that I could see it coming out of the trees. That's the last I saw of it. It was about eight feet tall or so and had long, thin arms hanging off of it. The color was a pale brown, but I could see through it. The head was small compared to the body. It was sunny that, that day, so I thought it may be glare from the water, but after I thought back, I realized I wasn't seeing a mirage or a glare. I checked the internet and didn't see anything about it. I mentioned it to a coworker in my office at lunch on Wednesday, and who knows when this was actually written. He gave me the strangest look. I thought, uh-oh, he thinks I'm nuts. We went back to his computer. He brought up the Hackettstown form with the Mantis Man witnesses. So going off of this one, it's it was in the dark, of course, that all these people saw it. So they all kind of describe it as a little bit different of a color. So it's mm-hmm. like a brown, it's a black. So, I mean, we're reading it and it sounds like people are describing different colors. But realistically, if you're seeing this thing in the dark, it's hard to tell the exact color. So I kind of see all these colors as being very close as they're describing them. And the other thing is the fact that they all talk about the transparency of it. So all of these reports from three different groups of people, they all have a lot, a lot of similar characteristics. And the things that are a little bit off, I still kind of, like I said, it was in the dark. So I, I give it a little bit of leeway. But yeah, yeah, I agree with that because especially with insects, you know what I mean? Uh, they, they could even praying mantises in and of itself have different coloring var- variations. Uh, some are very vibrant green and i have seen some that are more to the brown side uh those could be the males you know what i mean because i i don't know i I, insects are really different i know in in like birds the males are like the bright ones and want to attract the females but insects can be completely opposite i i don't know i mean it could be part of that camouflage too that part of the camouflage could be that it could dip out in color like change colors or that it could become like theoretically like invisible, so to speak. But mm-hmm. it may not be that it was actually like becoming invisible, so to speak. Maybe it was kind of like changing its colors to adjust to like the background behind it, for example, like a lot of other animals do too in nature. So right. I don't know, just a couple different probabilities to it. But the color thing, as far as the camouflage too, could, could also be partly due to that. Yeah. And if it's scared and, and not n- normally seen by people and it comes across it it's going to go into its you know defensive you know postures and and if camouflage is one of them to escape obviously if i was in its position i'd do the same thing you know what i mean i don't want to be seen uh do you want me to hop into the um explanations and theories or did you want to read this part yeah go ahead so explanations and theories this is the most fun part in my opinion and after the Mm -hmm. end um, we'll both give you our opinions on what we think that it may be, but again, don't hold us to it. They're just opinions. So going off that, let's, let's, let's go into the explanations and theories. People claim that the mantis man may have been an experiment gone wrong and someone who couldn't control it just set it free near a river. 
It could have been a mutation in a breeding situation. Unlike it being short, it could have been massive. Some people speculate that there are more than just one of these mantises roaming around. The reason why most people think it's a giant mantis instead of being something else is because it looks and does things like a mantis. Camouflage, spreading its wings, the mouth, etc. Now, while most people think it might just be a large praying mantis, other people suggest that it might possibly be an alien. Uh, Some aliens may even look like insects in their own way. It's impossible for the current atmosphere to sustain a praying mantis this large, so it's likely that the mantis is an aquatic creature resembling a praying mantis. But, like all things, however, there's a reasonably high chance that it may be a hoax. But Mm. going into our beliefs on it, I was going to mention in the middle of this um, that I've interviewed a few people and they talk about these uh, like watcher type beings that they're, um, they're, they're, they'd be considered an alien or an extraterrestrial, but their job is kind of just to like watch and observe. And they usually describe them as mantis type beings. So that mm-hmm. would explain why it tried to evade as soon as people saw it is because if you're going into the alien encounters with the mantis types beings, they're extremely, extremely similar as far as the camouflaging one because I've read about multiple encounters where people will see a mantis and they'll run off and try to camouflage themselves as they're running. And two, just like the the whole idea of it just being somewhat around people and observing and then, again, not, not wanting to hurt the people either because that kind of fits that whole observer mindset, at least for me. Right. Yeah, I know uh, you and I both had Tony Rodriguez on and he, he had made mention of these mantis type beings that he encountered on, on a different planet. And I think it was Mars. And he said that there was um, not just mantises, but a couple different types of like insectoids insect. Yeah. Insectoids. And at one point when his group was out there trying to flush the, you know, these creatures out, um, he was basically live bait, uh, so to speak. And they quickly found out that, they weren't going to eradicate these these in, insect beings from this planet and had to to regroup and and eventually just botch that mission and what have you. So I don't know. They, it could be because, like you you put out, it's a disclaimer. These are just theories and our thoughts and what we've come across and people we've interviewed, things we look into. Uh, I lean t- more towards maybe it being an alien creature, uh, but that's me. I don't really could see it being a aquatic creature just because praying mantises in nature aren't aquatic. You know what I mean? They're, they're plant-based, they're tree-based, you know, this and that. But if they are camouflaging and you go by reports that we've both, you know, talked to some of the same people, they do watch. And, you know, what are they watching? Why are they watching? Nobody knows. I mean, the other, I say my number two explanation would I, I don't usually like to go into the whole like science experiment gone wrong. It sounds too like comic book for me, even though yeah. I guess there's a lot of these particular situations where it would be, but I feel like it would more so be with, uh, I don't know, creatures that would have some type of benefit where maybe with this one, it's possible because it's a mantis. It has the camouflage ability. Maybe that was the intention behind it. But what I kind of fall more towards is that it could theoretically be a cryptid because one, if they're able to camouflage themselves, like anytime anybody's, kind of sees in the peripherals it could easily hide itself and hence the reports from multiple different locations and two one thing that i feel like wasn't really taken into consideration is that if a mantis is that big and they could easily eat theoretically like the head off a human if it would be the adequate size to like what a male would normally be for the species like why wouldn't they be able to 
eat other large animals, even if they're just scavenging and there was like a dead deer in the woods or if there was mm. birds, anything like that, or even just like a, some kind of little ground animals that don't move that fast. Or if it even got into, you know, like a rabbit's rabbit hole or something like I, I could yeah. see it eating land animals or even just if it has praying mantis tongs, it could have been standing in the river fishing itself. Could have been yeah. self-sustaining and living in the woods and just eating eating fish and whatever it happened to come across. So, like, I mean, I don't, I don't get the whole idea of why they believe that it couldn't come from the woods because there would be more than enough food for a bug that size and it'd be hidden on top of it. So, I, yeah. I kind of fall towards that as like my second runner-up. Yeah, I, I I can agree with you on that. You know, if it, think about the ambush techniques it could have if it's camouflaged and you can't see it. You know, you take a young deer walking by. And it just, boom, it, it nabs it. And it might have sp- very fast speed on, on running or, or even be able to fly, you know, and to get away. So that was one thing I, I didn't even take into consideration is that it, being able to take out bigger prey by just camouflaging itself up against a tree and waiting for something to walk by. Like that, that was a good one. I didn't even catch that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the fact that, you know, you think, okay, it's walking, but if it's, makeup is more of a praying mantis that means it's going to be more likely to be able to fly so or even just chill up in trees too i mean you get a lot of sightings of people believing that there's like bigfoot and stuff around them up in trees but theoretically they don't really see there's some reports that they see the bigfoots up in the trees i'm not going to say that they don't Mm -hmm. because they definitely do but some of those sightings where they think that they hear a bigfoot or something big moving around up in the top of a tree but they don't see anything it could be a mantis man camouflaged hiding up in a tree because that would be what a mantis would do. They would hide along the shrubbery that they match with. So why wouldn't it be hiding up in a tree? And then nobody would come across on accident if it was sleeping. Right. And, and deer, deer know what time of year to start looking up in trees. And that's usually right around the fall because archery hunting comes in and archers tend to be in tree stands and what have you. Years ago, you know, before we got up in trees, deer didn't know to look up you know what i mean they and and it's still not a common common practice but you know you make a noise and they're looking up at you you know what i mean they're they're looking for you so if i'm camouflaged and i'm a bug bug like creature and a little baby deer is coming right down the path and i'm hungry okay jump down take it and i'm jumping right back up in the tree eating what i can and letting whatever else come and scavenge what i don't eat yeah, exactly. There's a lot of different options there, but yeah, definitely either alien or cryptid. That's that, I think that I think mm-hmm. that's what we're going to end on with that one. Yeah, yeah, it's hard because you can lean you can lean strong on both both sides with with alien or cryptid. I mean, theoretically, it could even be a combination of both. Maybe there mm-hmm. are some type of mantis type being that formed just from you know evolution through the years, and maybe there is another mantis race. Like it could yeah, theoretically maybe. be two two different two different things within the same sightings that people are grouping together, kind of mm-hmm. hitting it the opposite way where normally people will group 10 different things and it'll be one thing, but they'll make it 10 different things. We're going to hit right. it opposite on this one and hit it with, they believe multiple things are the same thing. I like that. That's why I like, I like the way your mind thinks. I appreciate it, man. I also like the way your mind <laughs> thinks. <laughs> I try. <laughs> so, uh, hopping into Basquatch, do you want me to read the description or would you like to? Uh, you can do the majority of the reading if you want. <laughs> I'm butchering shit today. I gotcha. I gotcha. So hopping into our air cryptid, because we're doing land, air, and mm-hmm. sea here. 
So this one, I know that, again, people talk about it, but I found it interesting just because it does fit the humanoid description. Uh, Batsquatch. The Batsquatch is a flying cryptid that was allegedly seen near Mount St. Helens in the 1980s. Its origin was supposedly at the Mount St. Helens eruption. It resembles a flying primate similar to the Ahul and the Orang Bati of South Asia. And its name is derived from the words bat and sasquatch, of course, bat-squatch. <laughs> this creature was said to have yellow eyes, a dog-like muzzle, blue fur, sharp teeth, bird-like feet, and leathery bat-like wings that span up to 50 feet. In addition... I don't mean to interrupt. 50-foot wingspan is huge. Because it's huge. What what would the normal like wingspan ratio be for a normal animal? Is that like bigger than what a normal wingspan would be according I, to size? Oh, like a bald eagle might have a wingspan of like maybe six to eight feet, and then like you get out in California, the condors, you know, they're they're probably like twelve to fifteen feet. So you're talking fifty feet. I mean, that's that's the size of a two lane highway, two lane road. <laughs> And what was the, one wing? What was the height of this thing? I don't even know if I caught the height in there because I'm kind of curious what like, oh, that would be the next line. Tall. In addition, yeah. the bat squatch is about nine feet tall and has the ability to affect car engines. The first witness allegedly took several pictures of the creature. It had never actually been caught by his naked eye. So its existence is extremely questioned as far as his encounter goes, considering the two photographs, which have not been proven to be edited yet. Did you come across any of the photographs when you were looking into this? Because I've never seen the photographs from this. It's more call. like a like a you can't really make out features of it, but it, lo- it looks like a like a thing flying in the sky. But okay. it's like you know those old is nineteen eighties, so it was like you know the blurry old cameras. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of hard yeah. to make out detail, especially from that distance, anyways. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're talking when you still had to go buy flash bulbs and put them on cameras. Yeah. And then you're trying to catch something that's flying in the sky at supposedly, I'm assuming fast rate, considering it has a 50-foot wingspan. That's like one flush, and that thing's probably flying like 100 miles an hour minimum, you know? <laughs> that's crazy. I couldn't imagine something with that kind of wingspan. I mean, 50 feet. I mean, that's 25 feet per wing. I would assume at that point, too, that it probably would create like a giant wind gust to anything mm-hmm. that's below it, too. So, like... If this thing's flying above trees, I guarantee you those trees, you'd hear the whoosh from all the branches starting to crack near the top just from the air pressure pushing down. Oh, yeah. I mean, look at some of those big uh, bats that they find down in like Mexico and Texas. I mean, their their wingspans are probably a good four, 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 maybe four or five feet. And I mean, they're a big freaking bat. Now, you take that and make it nine foot tall and have 50 feet wingspan. Uh, yeah, I'm good. Uh, you ain't getting in my hair and you ain't drinking my blood. <laughs> Just imagine it like a vampire Sasquatch. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. That's the theory right there. It's not even bat related. It's literally a Sasquatch that got bit by a vampire. <laughs> yep. We've, we've solved the mystery. It's coming for you guys. It's coming for you. It's going to drink your blood. <laughs> I was going to say, you got to do like a Sierra sound noise, but do it to, uh, to the accent of like a vampire but i don't even know how to do that like i have the theory uh, of it in my head but i don't even know how to make that sound yeah i, I don't either like I, I know what you're talking about but it's like trying to make it come out my throat it's like uh, i don't think i can make that happen 
just imagine somebody from like Romania doing a <laughs> Sierra sound impression. And that, that's about what it should be. But it's kind of hard for me to imagine myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. But I guess we'll hop into uh, the first sighting, which weirdly enough was five days after my birthday. So kind of weird. Oh, nice. So April 19th, 1994 at 9.30 a.m. 18-year-old Brian Cranfield was driving a truck near Buckley, Washington, in the foothills of Mount Rainier. Canfield's truck came to a sudden and abrupt stop as a bizarre, bizarre, bizarre. and terrifying creature appeared no more than 30 feet in front of him. The creature was described at nine feet tall with bluish fur. It was a had a wolf-like face, yellow eyes, turfed ears, and a large mouth filled with sharp white teeth. Its feet were described as bird-like. On its back were two wings attached to its shoulders. After an undetermined length of time, the creature unfolded its wings and took off with such force that Canberra's truck shook with the disturbance of air, like I was just Mm. saying about those giant wings. The truck started again as abruptly as it had stopped, and Brian Cranfield drove home. Cranfield later returned to the site of the encounter with his mother and a neighbor in hopes of finding some sort of physical evidence of this encounter, but none was found. Local reporter C.R. Roberts of the Tacoma News Tribute interviewed Cranford and was convinced of his story and sincerity. He published an 800-word article based on the interview on April 24th, 1994. Yeah, this is... I mean, you you hit it on the head with with the shaking of, okay, a 50-foot wingspan moving that much air downward, shaking a, we'll say, 2,000... We'll just say 2,500-pound truck. Okay, give or take some poundage. So you're moving a ton and a, over a ton of, of metal just by flapping down your wings. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't know how you don't shit your pants. See, I wouldn't believe the story if it didn't have that detail, because I feel like anybody that was telling this story would have that as an important detail. Because if this thing was mm-hmm. like flying around and not manipulating objects underneath it, then... I don't know. I feel like it, it wouldn't be as believable. But on top of that, too, though, I feel like just the fact that it does affect things around it like that kind of helps it like most cryptids kind of fall into the, like the interdimensional physical kind of idea. I think this kind of brings it more into the physical, because if it was something that was interdimensional, I feel like it would kind of have a different effect on things around it, you know, like mm-hmm. t- some type of like zero gravity type of concept to it. Possibly. I don't know. But. I don't know, just just that's kind of my ideas on it, but I feel like it kind of brings it more like physical, you know? Yeah, definitely. Uh, this was probably the most popular report of the Bat Squatch. Uh, that even after looking through your notes, I was bouncing around on the internet a little bit today. You know, this is probably the main one that always gets talked about is this this dude out there in uh about Mount Rainier and. I don't know. It's it's crazy. I know there was a couple other ones you have uh, written down here. Uh, I did bring to your attention, apparently there was some in Wisconsin. There was some in Pennsylvania. Uh, and I'm trying to think there was one other state, maybe Ohio. So it was kind of kind of weird how it kind of came across, but then at some point kind of went down because obviously there was one in, in, in Phoenix and but then it stays kind of central over towards California. But I mean, I understand the California thing because of the giant redwoods, the the big, 
you know, rainforest type environment, you know, if it's got 50 foot wingspan, nine feet tall, it needs a pretty big sturdy tree to, to sleep in. If it sleeps in a tree, you know, I, I mean, everybody thinks, okay, bats sleep upside down. Does this, I don't know if it sleeps upside down, but it's got to perch somewhere. Yeah. I mean, it could even sleep in some type of like grass bed, like a, like a Sasquatch theoretically could too. Yeah, true. And I mean, even with the 50 foot wings though, imagine how much land that thing could cover flying. Like this thing could mm. fly probably state to state within like an hour or two if it goes up high enough and just goes across. And I mean, this could even be something that people were misconceiving as like a UFO, possibly if it was trying to cover mm. large distances all at once. So yeah, kind of flipping it from it. the last one that maybe this is something that people are confusing for UFOs. Yeah, I didn't even my mind didn't even go there. But that makes sense. You know, you look up, you see a ridiculous object flying in the you know night sky dusk sky you know i wouldn't imagine you know with it being a bat squatch coming out during the day you know because that kind of bats don't do that um and you look up and you see this big thing it would be almost like a shadow and it wouldn't make any noise and it would just be going overhead you know and it might even resemble a triangle a black triangle which is a lot mm -hmm. of what ufo sightings would be because if this thing had a big wingspan and then legs from a high enough distance when it's dark, you your eye would mo more than likely start to perceive that as more of a triangle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Wow. So maybe this is part of the black triangle experiences that people have. <laughs> it could be. It very well could be. Uh, do you want to read the next one? This one seems like it's pretty short and easy. And then I actually, if you want, you can uh, finish off the rest of this one and then I can hop in with the ninja because the rest of this one's pretty short and sweet. Okay, yeah. Uh, a possible second sighting was reported in 2009 near Mount Shasta, California. Several hikers witnessed a huge creature with leathery wings spanning 50 feet fly out of a crevice in the mountain. At first, an eyewitness described the creature as having a head similar to a pterodactyl. pterodactyl. Yeah, because I always forget that there's a P in front of that. Uh, and that's one word that I always say, can you spell pterodactyl? And and people, yeah, T, no. You spelled it wrong. Um, <laughs> but however, upon uh, reconsideration, the witness claimed it, it it was more akin to a flying fox bat. Now, these are the, the bats that I was talking about kind of down in Mexico and Texas that get big. They have like maybe a four or five foot wingspan, you know, depending on how big, big, big they grow. But if they're saying 50 foot wingspan, I'm not calling it a fox bat. It's yeah, no, bat squatch. Either. I guess that kind of answers part of our last question we were saying is like, where does it reside? It could possibly reside in high crevices up in mountains mm, because yeah. yeah, the ones that are on the side of a wall, theoretically, that people can't just walk up into, it could be mm -hmm. hanging inside of that cave and have a perfect spot that literally not one person would be able to go up there and get it unless they're mountain climbing and started venturing into a random hole they found, which how unlikely is that, honestly? Right. And that's kind of why, uh, why condors perch so high is so when they, they jump off, it gives them time to, to get some lift and, and flap their wings. So if it, if, if it's that big, think about being way up on a, on a side of a cliff, it jumps out, spreads its wings, starts to get some lift and, and then it, you know, it can start flying. It might even spend most of its time up on the mountain and it may only come down for food, which would be one reason why we're talking about the damage it would do with its wings from the gusts going downward. If it's near the mountaintop, there's less trees, less things like that. So that would be why there's not like as much physical evidence of like, the tops of trees possibly being broken just from the gust mm -hmm. of pressure from it pushing down. And even so, if it was high enough on the mountain, like you were saying with the condors, it could jump off, 
catch its wings, fly up, and it may not ever even get close to the tops of the trees where it would actually make a giant gust onto the top of the trees. Yeah, keeping itself more uh, concealed and and hidden from man, normal man's eyesight, you know, or whatever. All right, so the last one here, um, in June of 2011, Phoenix Terraz, which is a pseudonym, uh, was in his yard walking his dog. He went to pick up the dog when he saw something in the sky. Uh, this is what the witness said verbatim. I saw something flying the, the sky. It had bat wings, blue fur, and had face similar to eyes glowing red. It was about nine feet tall at the least. After I watched it, it just flew away. On April 14th, 2014 at Archbishop Hoban High School in Akron, Ohio, a second period Spanish class spotted a giant black mass zipped by the window of the classroom at an incredible speed. The class claims it was about nine feet tall with a 20 to 30 foot wingspan. So that was two little extra encounters in there. The first one obviously was um, from a guy that, you know, was trying to describe his best, but really made me fumble over my words the way he spoke <laughs> but a lot of people describe it being nine tall so that's one thing that i want to take into consideration is that everybody who cited this thing all says about the same height and they also reference the bluish fur so mm -hmm. taking that into consideration that kind of like either one people are copying off somebody's old stories or two it just brings some validity to it as far as like the color goes and the wing size or the the height of the thing but the wing size though is one of those things that if it's flapping and flying it'd be kind of hard for somebody to get a solid eye view on this is exactly its wingspan because it's continuously moving so kind of like i was saying the last one that's one thing that you know i'll give some leeway between i don't think it was 50 feet if i had to guess it was probably more about these like 30 feet descriptions mm -hmm. just considering the size of it and you know how, how vast the wingspan would be according to its height but you know, like I said, they're they're all extremely similar and close, though. Oh yeah, totally. And th that's what kind of makes it a little little credible in in my eyes. You know what I mean? Like you hear bat and squatch, your first thing is like, okay, here we go again. They're mixing two different things to play off Sasquatch and what have you. I think they're only calling it squatch just because maybe it's height and it and it is on two feet, but its face resembles more of a bat you know it had the tuft ears you know the fox-like face the the bluish blackish fur and then the leathery bat wings so could this just be a a, a humanoid bat and i honestly think that's where i tend to lean it's more of a humanoid bat than it would be um a cross between sasquatch and a bat type what? deal one thing that I noticed, too, was that it seemed like there was two of the sightings for sure that were both caught around April, right? Around the same mm -hmm. time, too, because one was, what, the 19th and this one's the 14th. So this was on mm -hmm. my birthday in 2014. So that being said, what well, if the these... 2014 one was in, in Ohio and the 2019 or the, the on the 19th and 94 was in California. But regardless of, I guess, the location exactly... If it's in April, what if they're seen because they're leaving a location to like migrate possibly? And that would explain why they're seen around the same time, no matter the mm. area is because they have like a sense of like, all right, it's time to migrate. And maybe they start going south and that's they usually stay in the caves in the mountains. Nobody sees them. Sense. And then around April is when they all move out to wherever they migrate to. 
And then that's when the sightings happen and they probably move to another mountain and then people aren't seeing him again until they possibly migrate back. Mm. Or they go south. Maybe yeah. they go into South America. Which could also fit into some other different South American cryptids too, where maybe it's just the same thing, different names. Yes. Yeah. Very well could be. But going I into I like a, it. Yeah, if I found this one extremely interesting and I feel like there's a lot of uh, validity behind it and I'm looking forward to uh hitting it and giving it a full episode, hopefully in the future. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think we could do a nice deep dive on, on that one. It's not one that comes up very often. I mean, it is heard of. It, I put it in the, I guess, the classification of maybe Mothman. You know what I mean? Like people know of Mothman, but it's not, it's not super known unless you're into this kind of stuff. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like the most common of the people that are into cryptids if that makes sense like anybody that's mm -hmm. into cryptids it's one that everybody's definitely going to know but when it comes to just like the standard people's knowledge of cryptids i feel like it's pretty much like abominable snowman sasquatch nessie and that's pretty much touches all bases what the average person would think of when they think of cryptids <laughs> yep and then then you mention aliens and they're like oh you're you're, you're dumb they don't exist but you, <laughs> you you believe in a fucking sea monster you believe in sasquatch uh but you don't believe that in the most vast place you could possibly imagine that there is something, but you want to believe it in like smaller areas. I I don't I don't get that logic. It, yeah, uh, that baffles me all the freaking time. But it's like, wow. Um, explanations and theories on this one. We got it's an undiscovered cryptid, which is probably where I sway towards. Um, it's some type of flying ape, or like you said, it's some type of hominoid bat. I would go with the hominoid bat type thing or the undiscovered species. I think it's bo both of that. It's an undiscovered species, but it's more a hominoid bat than an ape. You know what I mean? And I think they're just saying squatch, like I was saying, because of how tall it is and it does have legs and it may, may or may not walk. It, nobody's ever seen it really walking. They, they, the accounts that you came across and, I remember hearing about it was always flying or moving. I mean, think about how close like Mothman could have been like Moth Squatch. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that, yeah, that exactly. kind of fits like the height in the like body description, too. So, yeah, I honestly feel like it's only going off of that. But it's definitely more fox or wolf mixed with a bat like than like a quote unquote like Sasquatch. And Batman was already taken. We got to be fair. <laughs> True. <laughs> i wonder if uh batman inspired any cryptids or if cryptids inspired batman <laughs> oh who knows hit it with the mix-up on that one yeah. so oh here's another uh little bit of a possible theory it says along the winged primate theory another accepted theory is that these creatures are a new species of fruit bat despite reports depicting the animal as carnivorous and assuming to be at fault for the disappearances of many farm animals in the region. Mm. But I mean, it could theoretically, like you were saying, be some type of like bat or like hominoid bat, but you know, it may not be necessarily carnivorous, so to speak, but maybe it's more so just eating what's available for something its size as it's described, because something this big isn't going to be sitting there walking around the forest, like a, like a Sasquatch trying to collect berries and do different things, especially if it's a giant winged creature. The way most birds hunt is that they try to go for the big stuff so that they don't have to keep coming back for all the small shit. Um, so it would make sense that 
you know, it's not, it, it's going to grab something big just because that's what's available to it to eat, even though it may not be the only thing that it eats, you know, like it may eat shrubberies, different things towards the top of the mountain. But when it's trying to get that protein, it wouldn't make sense for it to grab anything else but a big creature, you know? Could it be the thing that's responsible for draining the blood of a lot of these cattle mutilations? Hey, that would fit the vampire. It could be vampire bat oriented. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, if you think about it, a vampire bat, its fangs go in very, very precision. I mean, it's, it's boom. And they, they sit there and lick the blood off these cows. Now imagine, you, you know, there was all those reports, even on Skinwalker Ranch or whatever, of these cows just dropping dead and being drained of blood and nothing else, just, just blood. And there's no sighting of the blood. So yeah, <clears throat> theoretically, that's also a possibility is that going back to the alien thing with stuff starting to get mixed up, maybe some of the cattle mutilations are actually things that bat swatches ate. <laughs> it very well could be. Definitely we worth checking know. into. We just, we just <laughs> hypothesize over here at Bizarre Encounters. Disclaimer. Disclaimer alert. <laughs> yeah. Theories. So uh, hopping into our last one for today, which would be our C humanoid cryptid. So I want to do something a little bit different. Um, this one was kind of hard to find, like we were talking about at the beginning of the show, um, a lot of sightings that weren't just pictures of it. Um, mm -hmm. But I guess we'll get into it and people will understand why exactly it's hard to get sightings of it. Over the past few years, rumors have circulated in Japan about the existence of Arctic humanoid life forms inhabiting the icy waters of the Arctic. Reportedly observed on multiple occasions by crew members of government-operated whale research ships, these so-called ninjin, meaning human, are said to be completely white in color with an estimated length of 20 to 30 meters. Eyewitnesses describe them as having human-like shape, often with legs, arms, and even five-fingered hands. Sometimes they are described as having fins or a large mermaid-like tail instead of legs, or even tentacles. The only visible or identifiable facial feature are the eyes and mouth. According to one account, crew members on deck observed what they initially thought was a foreign submarine in the distance. When they approached, however, it became clear from the irregular shape of the thing that it was not man-made, it was alive. The creature quickly disappeared underwater. First posted on 2channel, the popular thread attached the attention of many readers from outside the 2chan community on November 2009. It, November issue... 2007 of MU Magazine, a Japanese publication devoted to the study of paranormal phenomenon, which featured an article about the Arctic humans. The article speculated on the possibility of unidentified creatures inhabiting the southern seas, and it included a Google Earth screenshot showing what looks like Ninjin in the South Atlantic Ocean off the coast of Nimbia. To date, no solid evidence has been presented to confirm the existence of Ninjins, the government is believed to have kept detailed reports of the sightings, but they have released no information to the public and have reportedly instructed eyewitnesses to remain silent. Ninja sightings seem to occur most frequently at night, making them all the more difficult to photograph. In still images, the sea cryptids mostly look like ice, though it is said that their smooth human-like skin can be seen when the photographs are enlarged. In any case, no convincing photographs have been made public either because they do not exist or because of some art some argue the government does not want to intrude 
intrude undue scrutiny and tarnish the scientific reputation of the whale research program. Though that hasn't warranted an abandonment of the search for the amphibious wraith, why would it? Scientists continue to discover multitudes of new marine species in the depths of the ocean on a regular basis. Over the past decade, a number of hydrothermal vents have been discovered in the Arctic depths. In these fringe waters, new and bizarre life forms like the Yeti crab have been discovered clustered around these vents. Some scientists have theorized that hydrothermic vents are why life originated on Earth in the nascent phase some 4.6 billion years ago. While the Ninjin sea creature remains a tale among Japanese sailors and fishermen, there is rumor that the Japanese government is taking reports of the Ninjin seriously, amassing a trove of putative accounts. It has also been rumored that the photographic evidence of the Ninjin was captured by the sailors of the original story, but the Japanese government destroyed the evidence so as to not draw attention and controversy. Stories have been told of men in black threatening anyone who proposed to have seen the Ninjin sea creatures or anyone attempting to expose its existence. Though this is all unconfirmed hearsay, and while the story of the Ninjin doesn't necessarily attract significant international attention, Mew Magazine created a serious buzz in Japan. Soon, a plethora of stories, sightings, and alleged photographic evidence has been made public. It's unclear whether there are any cryptozoologists currently pursuing the Ninjin, as its locations would require a well-funded expedition with crew members knowledgeable of Arctic terrain. And though the Ninjin cryptid might seem like another controversial hoax told amongst sailors with too much free time, one mustn't forget that maritime tale of the Kraken that turned out to be based on a real-life creature, the giant squid. So that one's kind of a long haul on that one, trying to explain a little bit behind it. But again, I feel like you needed to explain the description more be- just because of the fact that there's the sightings are really hard on this one. And just even getting into that area for the public to even really have sightings is really hard. Yeah. <clears throat> and like you were saying, uh, when you look for pictures of this, it the the drawings don't do it any justice. I mean, there's one where it's just like a head and then no arms and it has legs and it's kind of just standing there on a on an iceberg or whatever um and with the kraken theory you also have to keep in mind mermaids uh turned out to be uh manatees in in, in many cases as well so it's like okay these sailors are out there for months at a time and okay they might be partaking in in alcohol rum whatever and they're drunk and they see manatees I, if you look at a manatee, I don't know how you. She's can so beautiful. That. That's the yeah. fattest ass I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she she's so thick. But yeah, those are some it, birthing hips if I've ever seen them myself. Big time. <laughs> but yeah, so I I don't know this this one. It's interesting. Uh, with a lot of Japanese folklore, I I mean, Julie and I, Julia and I, uh recently did for an episode that she's releasing in October for part of her, her spook month, um, the, the, the suicide forest. So the Japanese do have strong folklore in their, in their customs, in, in their culture and what have you. And they do believe strongly in them. So with them reporting something like this and one credible witness being a, a government official, uh, it, it kind of validates that there could be something there. 
And then you have the government trying to hide it on top of it. And just because of the fact that you can't find any good pictures, that could be intentionally done so that it's like, there is a real picture and there's 40 goofy pictures. Like Mm -hmm. you just kind of group them all together. So it can be intentionally done to be able to just like push out, you know, anybody really having information on it. And like it was saying, it's really hard for like a normal person to like be in this area to even get sightings of it. So almost anybody that's there has some type of government ties. So think about how washed any information on this thing could be before it even touches anything public. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very true. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know where I, I, I don't know where I, I stand on the, this cryptid. Um, I'm just going to leave it up in the air. At, there's at so point. much with the arctic too that that's the other thing that it's like yeah the arctic is mysterious in its own many different ways so who's like who knows what kind of life forms could be there because we as the average person like only know the life forms that are there that they want to tell us about and that they mm-hmm. want to so like there could there could not even getting on some crazy cryptid things but there could be some like say like a penguin or something that's completely red or some kind of pretty color. And they don't want to tell people about it because what are people going to do if they figure out that there's some weird colored species, they're going to try to find a way there illegally and they're going to try Mm -hmm. to kill it. And then they're going to try to make something out of it because they're going to try to get money from it. So like just off of that aspect, like there could be, they, they could have say like 300 different animals that live in the Arctic categorized and they let us know about five of them, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, there's actually recent, theories floating around um they tagged a i think it was like a i think it was like a 20 foot great white they and they tagged it and they were watching the tag go down and all of a sudden it stopped at a certain depth and started rising back up and the temperature started increasing and then all of a sudden it just dove completely down and what they're speculating is is that possibly could have been eaten by a megalodon that the megalodon still exists and it came ate this uh tagged great white as it was coming up and then immediately surfaced back down and and the reason why the body or the temperature was rising because it was going inside the the megalodon and obviously it's gonna heat heat up as it's you know breaking down you know the food and what have you so i I find that kind of interesting that you know the megalodon could still be a thing i mean you go to a lot of the beaches on the east coast and one of the big things is is you go look for shark teeth now a lot of them you find are are, are small and occasionally you will find uh i was <clears throat> with my my wife's family the one year and my cousin's friend him and his wife went out early in the morning they actually found a megalodon tooth now if they're still finding these now granted the ocean is vast it could have died off you know it takes thousands of years for it to to wash up on on a shore or whatever but now these scientists are, are kind of coming to the conclusion that it still could be alive um i could see that the ocean's vast we don't, don't know anything hardly anything i mean look at the angler fish that thing's alien looking as a as a motherfucker and <laughs> we, we just recently found out about it you know within the last 50 years or so you know what i mean and I mean, who knows what other big prey could even be at the bottom of the ocean, theoretically, too, going into the yeah. megalodon thing, that it may not have much of a reason to come up normally, because there could be other large creatures at the bottom of the ocean, and they just eat each other and fend... It's like, a, it could be its whole entire ecosystem all down at the bottom of the ocean where, like, they don't typically come up at all. And maybe this that particular one came up uh, because it maybe saw a whale off in its distance or it had some type of maybe, like, sonar or something, who fucking knows, um, and it just came up out of something spontaneous but they could spend their entire life 
down near all these giant creatures could spend all their life down at the bottom of the water and nobody would know about it because we don't have a means of really getting down there to really get any solid information on it because most yeah. things they get smashed under the pressure as soon as they start getting too low not only that when you live at that depth coming up can also kill you as well because your body's used to being at that high high amount of pressure i mean going into that whale thing i mean it's maybe it's possible too the megalodon came up grabbed it and because of where it's used to being maybe it started to like crush and come back down where it wasn't even it swimming down but it was it dying because it came up too high <laughs> mm, yeah that could have been too i didn't even think of that but going into like what you're saying about the Japanese folklore, um, possible origins of this. It, in some circles, a link has been drawn between stories of the ninja and the ninjo, a creature from Japanese folklore. Ninjo is a term meaning human fish, though it is often translated as mermaid. The fish-like creature is described as having a monkey's mouth, small fish-like teeth, golden scales, and a quiet flute-like voice. It tastes delicious, and eating it will greatly add to a human's lifespan. However, catching one was said to bring storms and misfortune. So if a fisherman ever caught one, they would typically throw them back to avoid the possible consequences. Seeing a ninja washed up on a beach is considered an omen of war or some other great calamity. Given that the rumors of the ninja apparently originated from Japanese websites, where they were popularized by the Japanese magazine that we referenced above, it is possible that it may be a modern interpretation of the ninjo folklore. I can go with that. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely definitely a possibility. Um, I guess we'll hit this last sighting, and then we'll go into uh, all of the possible explanations and theories, because I feel like that's where we're going to uh, get the most back and forth on this one. So uh, okay. it was kind of referenced above, but this is just kind of reiterating on it a little bit. It's unclear when the ninja was first sighted. But the most popular version of it appears to originate with the poster on 2chan thread, like we were talking about earlier. The poster claimed to be an employee of a government whale research vessel. They related the story of encountering the mysterious creature, including the crew of the vessel, initially assuming that it was a foreign submarine. However, as the unknown object moved closer to the crew, they realized that it was alive and they made comments about the uh the texture of its skin from what they could tell. So, I mean, like I said, we're kind of talking about that. Um, there's a lot of pictures on the internet that are, I don't know, they, they seem pretty pretty lifelike of it, and they seem to have been taken from ships. Um, I know mm -hmm. you can do a lot with photo editing nowadays, but I don't know, there, there, there's a few of them that I came across that look, look pretty solid, and I'd like to dig into them a little bit more in the future, of course, and see if I can find anybody uh, discrediting them for photo editing or anything like that. But there's, there's yeah, if yeah. you look up a ninja, though, unfortunately... Like you were saying, the main pictures you're going to find of it are really, really Horrible. bad photoshopped, yeah. like obviously photoshopped, like again, like we're or talking even about a cartoon drawing. Yeah. And the cartoon drawings of it. <laughs> but I kind of take this as like, uh, like there, there's going into the, like the mermaid thing we we're talking about earlier. Um, I kind of go into the idea of like there was the manatees, of course, but there could mm -hmm. theoretically be a race, be it extraterrestrial or something it's always been here like the aquaforian race which would have been like the mermaid like people so just like we're talking about with like sasquatch having different like variations um as far as like you know there's the cold ones which would be like the yeti there's like the variations in uh australia like the yowie this could be one of the mermaid like creatures that adapted to a specific region because yes the water is vast along the world so of course there'd be ones that would be adjusted to cold regions and ones that would be adjusted to like tropic regions 
mm-hmm. or maybe mm-hmm. the idea of like you know mermaids like how most people would imagine them are the ones that live in the tropical regions where they're not so um creature like i guess you could say right. but if you're living underneath ice in the cold like of course you're going to take on that almost like that whitish skin complexion just because you're not really in the sun or you don't you know so it, it would fit the description that it's just like a variation possibly of like an arctic like mermaid yeah well and with the white skin and it being as big as they're reporting if it's swimming around uh from below it could look like just an iceberg so maybe that's a, a defense mechanism for camouflaging to keep predators from attacking it i mean if they're human humanoid and you know they, they, who's to say that they don't have the ability to use tools and utilize the things around them i mean theoretically they could even break off a chunk of an ice iceberg like a little piece of it swim with it over the top of their head and then you see the iceberg sticking out of the top and then you see white going underneath the water underneath and you just assume it was like a little chunk of ice like they could easily yeah. just use a tool to camouflage themselves i mean primates have the ability to do it so who's to say some type of humanoid aquatic creature also wouldn't have that ability to utilize things around it maybe it took out the titanic yeah it was just a giant <laughs> group of ninjin and they wanted some food and supplies so they just took down the damn ship they all formed together into a giant ultron of <laughs> ninjin yeah it took out it the went titanic to a complete completely different ocean than took out this ship and going into the conspiracy side of it, they were tipped off by the Rockefellers because the Rockefellers had communication with them. <laughs> yeah, they, they didn't want all the bankers to to live. <laughs> but uh, let's see, going into explanations and theories. There is no solid evidence that proves the existence of the ninja. However, as it is in most cases of a possible unidentified creature, uh, this hasn't stopped rampant speculation on the internet. One popular rumor... <laughs> that has been spread in reference to the ninja is that the Japanese government has in fact taken reports of the creature seriously, but has covered up all of the real evidence. Why would the Japanese government do that? One theory is that the ninja, whatever it actually is, is capable of producing a rare chemical compound that has medicinal properties. Again, kind of going back to what they're saying about the folklore of you having a long lifespan. If you ate a ninja or Mm -hmm. ninja, Another is that it is highly venomous and the government intends to weaponize the creature on the other side. But I don't know. I kind of mm-hmm. sway towards uh, if this is theoretically true and it fits the ninja tales that this could be a cover up for the fact that they might see it as almost like a fountain of youth. And they're trying to take it to see if they can get this long lifespan out of it. Because, you know, how many people have followed the fountain of youth through time and history? If there's another theoretical option like. You can't tell me that even if it's just some woo-woo stuff that there isn't a department of the government that's going to take that chance and see if they can figure it out because extended life, no matter what, is woo-woo no matter what way you look at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're always trying to look for extended life. I mean, I I know this is kind of off topic, but you get an agenda 2045 with the transhumanistic agenda that they're trying to push forward. I mean, that that in in and of itself is elongating your life. And another thing of... The Fountain of Youth. Mm-hmm. So uh, just running down the uh, other list of the possible explanations and theories. Um, it could be a misidentified whale, shark, or squid. It could be a new species of giant manta ray. It could be some type of aquatic sloth, perhaps an evolutionary descendant of Thalasconus. I believe I'm saying that hopefully correct, but 
a misidentified iceberg, which was kind of funny because we were touching on that. Mm-hmm. Um, an undiscovered subspecies of beluga, an evolutionary relative of humans. However, this is unlikely due to their size, although their size could have been changed through evolution. A species of aquatic or semi-aquatic animal, likely descendant slash evolved from the large-sized carnivorous animals such as leopards, seals, and killer whales. This is is evolved into a more noticeable humanoid shape due to the convergent evolution. Descendant species of Alcoloma millicra. I'm not good with Latin words, so I'm sorry for anybody listening, which is a recently discovered species of shark convergently evolved to a manta ray-esque form that could resemble a quasi-humanoid entity underwater. And then the last one, like most things, is photo manipulation. Hmm. I think it could be a combination of all of them, if you really think about it. I mean, I don't really get in on the whole evolution thing. I think all creatures that are here have been here. You know what I mean? Because... I haven't seen a sea creature grow legs and come out of water in modern times. I haven't seen a monkey turn into a human. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's just where I personally go. Um, obviously, people do believe in, in the theory of evolution because it's never been proven. It's still just a theory. Just as gravity is still just a theory. Um, Most modern science be- is just a theory, but unfortunately, when they teach it in school, they drop the word theory out of it, and then people take exactly. it as fact. <laughs> yep. Um, but it, I mean, it could be a different species of, of a beluga whale that hasn't been, um, discovered yet. Uh, it could be, a, a a manta ray that hasn't been, dis- you know, it, it could be all of these, you know, an undiscovered species. I don't, I don't really buy the whole, you know, species that kind of evolved into with more humanite like traits. Uh, I just, that one's hard for me to, to kind of put my, my head around as I, you know, kind of said just before. Um, but I could strongly see it being a misidentified, misidentified iceberg as well. I mean, you're out. Icebergs can take many shapes and, and like we were discussing at the top of the the show, when you're underwater, things are 33% larger underwater. Okay. So I'm a certified scuba diver. I haven't scuba dived in years, but that was one of the things in, in the in the manual that you had to memorize. So if you're underwater and you see a fish, that fish is going to appear 33% bigger. Now, if you take that fish out of water and come up to the surface and above, above water and you look at it, now it's going to appear normal size. So it's going to look bigger. You get up to the surface, okay, it's not. Um, so if you're looking over a ship and looking down and you see like a, a mass going through the water, I mean, it's going to appear bigger than what it is now. And it gets it bent being, too. It's like that whole idea yeah. with like you stick a pencil in water and it looks like it goes a totally different direction too. Mm-hmm. Like think yep. about how much images are, not just the size is contorted, but even just the shape of it, just from like the waves moving, will start yeah. changing the shape. Yep. So I, I, I could strongly agree with the, the iceberg, you know, theory. But again, there's a lot on here that I, I can also agree with. So at the end of the day, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I would love to, to see one of these things if they truly do exist. Uh, I, I don't believe in the, the Japanese culture and it, well in their, their, not, not their culture, but their, uh, the folklore 
for yeah the folklore so maybe if i did come across the a, a ninjo i might eat it if it tastes that good and it extends my life i don't know i mean i, I personally see- sway more towards um just for fun you know like i mm-hmm. i'm one of those people that thinks that mermaids aquaforians they exist at the bottom of the ocean so i'm gonna say that my top pick is that it might be some type of like aquatic or not they're all aquatic but it'll be some type of um arctic cold water adapted mermaid i'll say that that's that's probably one of my main ones and then they would kind of even possibly fit the iceberg thing because again if they were some type of like humanoid being they would theoretically know how to use tools and in most depictions Mm -hmm. of mermaids they know how to use tools they make themselves you know different things so that that's not off base from that original lore anyways but uh just for the sake of rationality i guess um i would say that my number two would probably be that it's icebergs that are just getting bent from the water or my other one that i heavily kind of sway towards is that it may just be some type of undiscovered species of manta ray especially because they're talking mm-hmm. about the yeti crab and the uh the vents opening so i'm gonna i'm gonna kind of more so for the for the more rational aspect i'm not going to say iceberg i'm going to go with that they may be might be some type of uh different species of manta ray that maybe at one point they were around and then maybe they got blocked off somehow uh they became close to extinct um, a small group of them started repopulating. They're inside one of these vents, and now they're just starting to come out as of when the first sighting happened. Um, I don't know. I feel like that one's totally probable, too. But, I mean, just off of the term of cryptid, I guess that a giant undiscovered manta ray would still fall into the term of being a cryptid, so to speak. So, Yeah, yeah, very, very true. Or could this be the creature that that helped uh, one of Admiral Byrd's missions uh, with the, the submarines that... You know, the, the aquafarians that that could shoot these rays of whatever out of their, their head or their, their fists or whatever to open up and, and get in and under Antarctica. So, I, I don't know. I mean, there's so much mystery around the Arctic that it's one of those really, really hard cryptids. Because, again, like we were saying earlier, nobody would be able to have access really to the Arctic without government permission. So, even if they did get some solid information, they wouldn't be able to bring it back. And just off of that, if anybody was a cryptid hunter... And they are coming to discover anything about this place. Um, you know that one, it would be government funded and all that information would be washed through the government first. So hence, you would never get any of it. So even if anybody is working on this, you're never going to hear about it. So right. it's just there's a lot of mystery behind it. That's why I enjoyed it. And for the same reason that there's not evidence behind it is the same reason why I find it probable that it could exist. As weird as that sounds. <laughs> no, it sounds completely normal to me because you even get into i mean even with sasquatch or or let's just take ufo encounters in general you know how many times do you hear men in black showing up or government officials showing up and next thing you know eyewitnesses what they described go back the next day and nothing is there everything's been cleaned it's been wiped and nobody hears about it and it's like well anytime the government steps in there's, there's a reason because they don't want us to know about what they know about. And uh, I feel like there's two men in blacks too. There's like the ones that don't make any sense. They don't know how to use doors. There's something that's not from here. Those are the ones that deal with like extraterrestrial sightings. And then there's like the men in black that are just government people hiding secrets. So just for a clarification, I don't believe that these are like the uh, extraterrestrial men in black that are trying to hide this. I think it's literally just government officials trying to hide it. And whether or not it's true or not, 
Um, the government isn't going to let somebody else figure that out first. So regardless if you believe it or not, the government officials would step in still so that they could figure it out before anybody else does. So oh, yeah, totally. I, I take that part of it, no matter what, as solid fact, because even if somebody just saw an iceberg, the government's going to take control of it and figure out what it is first before they let anybody else figure out about it. Uh, gotta love the government. <laughs> even the they're Japanese always there government. to help us, right? Yeah, they're <laughs> always there to help us and protect us and keep us safe. Oh, God, what would we do without them? They're so wonderful. So, so wonderful. Uh, <laughs> so I guess uh, that's our fun list for today. Um, hopefully yeah. we'll be doing some more of these in the future. Um, one that I do want to do is four-legged land, air, and sea. So that one might be pretty mm. fun. If anybody's interested in hearing that, it'd be cool if you'd uh, drop us a line, let us know, um, message us on social media, whatever. And if there's any other categories that you'd like to see done in this list, form then uh yeah just uh shoot us a message let us know and we'd be more than happy to try to figure out a good list for you that would fit into this category and we're gonna have yeah. some other categories in the future too um one thing that we're gonna hopefully go into in the future is alien or cryptid and we're gonna talk about specific beings that could possibly be an alien or cryptid and why we believe otherwise so if there's any ones that people would love to see on that list also shooting message shoot us a message and let us know what you'd like to see in the future i'm going alien all day <laughs> <laughs> Man, I might be mixed on that list because my love's with with both of them. It's it's a really I mean, hard uh, one. <laughs> that that is hard. When when you're th uh, throwing that idea at me, I was just like, "Holy shit!" That, that <laughs> you're taking my love of cryptids and love of alien, and now I have to pick. Oh shit, this is gonna be hard because Bigfoot and and and, and what have you. It depends on who you talk to. Fall fall. Either it's cryptid or it could be alien, interdimensional. It's it's so hard, you know what I mean. But I think it'll be fun. I mean, I don't know what side you go on with Bigfoot, but the more I've done research on it, I started off talking about it being theoretically interdimensional. Um, mm -hmm. I still do believe certain aspects of that. But if I, you know, was in Vegas, I had to put money down on something. I would guess that it's something that's physical in this world, like some type of like creature being more so than interdimensional. But again, I never know. We don't. Nobody knows for sure. But that's at right. least where my opinion is currently swaying. Yeah, I, I'm kind of pretty much there with you. The whole, but, I, but then I, then you come into the goddamn tracks that just stop in the middle of a field, and and how do you explain that? And that that's where it gets me. It's like, yes, it's physical, and then all of a sudden you're like, well, tracks disappear. How 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 do you explain that? Well, well then that's when interdimensional comes into play. It's I like, have a theory. God damn, what we think is bat squatch doesn't look like what we think it is it's a giant bat that eats sasquatches and what people uh -huh. see is a giant <laughs> bat grabbing a sasquatch and that's why the footprint stop is the giant sas the giant bat eats the sasquatch and there you we, go. Just, we just covered three theories all in one right there yeah <laughs> where the footprints end uh, the, the bat, squatch bat squatch begins yeah <laughs> And that's where the squatch comes in because that's its number one prey. <laughs> they got to take them out. It's like an interdimensional battle for who's going to be the last cryptid left. Because if the world is just a giant TV show like the Truman Show, maybe one of yeah. the channels is cryptid battles. Which one will be the last? <laughs> oh, that would be fun to watch. I'd be down to watch that. <laughs> you know what's sad, though, is I feel like if cryptids are discovered in the future, like there's some Bigfoots, there's going to be some Bigfoot fighting arenas because... You go into like Russia and half their TV is this thing fighting this thing, this thing uh -huh. fighting this thing. So leave it to Russia. If Bigfoot's ever become a normally recognized creature, 
you're going to see men fighting Bigfoots, and they're probably going to get crushed in the first two seconds, but oh. it's going to be all over Russia, bro. <laughs> they're fucking nuts over there. I mean, they have, like, kids in fighting mixed martial arts with no no pads and stuff and betting on it. It's like, wow. Okay. Have you seen the uh, 300 on 300 thing? I think uh, Ryan showed me it, and it's literally a TV show where it's literally 300 people on 300 people with boxing gloves just beating the shit out of each other in a field. <laughs> <laughs> Does not surprise me. Go Russia. Just, yeah. But hopefully I come back uh, for next week with uh, some cool evidence of, of paranormal and ghosts. Uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the haunted side of Gettysburg. Uh, I've lived out here since I was 11. And, you know, like I said, I've only been down to Gettysburg on a tour once. And that was when I was in fifth grade. So that was many, 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 many years ago. And, you know, we did the, the commercial side of it, you know, learning the civil war. And this time I, I get to see it from more of a paranormal side and I'm looking forward to that. Um, can't say that I'm not going to lie. I'm a little nervous about this haunted orphanage. Uh, <laughs> anytime you go into an orphanage that apparently the, the, I don't know if they were ran by nuns or whatever, you know, killed these kids and, and what have you. I mean, uh, that's just freaky all in, considering you're an empath too just like me i feel like regardless if you actually see anything like you're gonna feel if something's there so you'll know Mm -hmm. if it's a haunted location just off of like the feeling you get considering like we've had conversations in the past not that a lot of listeners may know but like you and i both are like extreme empaths so Mm -hmm. like if there's anything in an area like we're the type of people that will walk into an area and go something's off here and choose not to go there so like you're gonna i feel like you're gonna know as soon as you walk in there just from what you've told me in the past yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I'm going to rely heavily on that, uh, tomorrow going down there. So, wow. Oof. Yeah. It, it, it'll, it's going to be fun. I, I am nervous. So, you know, like I said, we'll see what happens. You know, I could go down there and not experience a damn thing. You know, maybe they were like, oh, no, this guy knows that we exist. Uh, we're not going to show ourselves to him. You know, or maybe that. that'll make you the antenna. <laughs> Ah, you're gonna be the only one that gets messed with and nobody's gonna believe you someone's gonna like grab (laughs) your ankle every couple seconds you're gonna be like man something keeps touching me and everybody's gonna be like oh you're bullshitting (laughs) explain these scratches on my back you did it (laughs) i don't don't have fucking fingernails man i clip them they're short (laughs) i guess uh that's a good spot to to leave it on so um you know for anybody that's interested in coming and checking out bizarre encounters on social media um, we have a merch store that is now up. Um, we have one, two designs, something like that. It's it's our main logo, different variations of it. So go check it out. Go get yourself some awesome Bizarre Encounters merchandise. Um, while you're at it, we always appreciate it if you'd like it, if you'd leave us a like or a review. Um, anything, even if you're uh, giving us a bad review, we definitely want to know just so that we can improve in the future. So don't forget to do that. Don't forget to like, share, follow, share with a friend. That's the one of the best things you could possibly do is share us with a friend because most podcasts get spread by word of mouth. So if you got any friends that ever mentioned Bigfoot, anything else weird, even a slight hankering, you know, just drop the name Bizarre Encounters. Just go check it out. and uh, Share the shit, motherfuckers. Exactly, because that's the only way that the show is going to progress and we're going to keep being able to produce even more awesome content and lists and descriptions of cryptids and aliens and a lot of different things that are going to be coming your way. So get get and, uh, get ready for it and stay tuned for it. <laughs> and I call you motherfuckers out of pure love because I, I, I am a motherfucker. 
technically any father is. you are too <laughs> <laughs> so uh if you want to come and check all that stuff out uh, i put it under one link make it quick and easy uh l-a-n-k-t-r period e-e slash bizarre encounters and uh if you want to come and find ghost uh take it away ghost let them, let them know where to find you on your normal show yeah you can you can look up my link tree uh you can click on my profile on instagram my third eye podcast click the link tree everything's in there uh go over to youtube like and subscribe to my third eye podcast and hopefully i don't know if we're going to set up a youtube for bizarre encounters or not it's something shane and i really haven't discussed yet uh but if we do in the future you know we'll we'll let you know um email me my third ipod at gmail.com if you want to be on the show no topic is off the table i love talking about pretty much anything and uh uh, this won't drop for a while, so I'm not going to plug that. But again, give us a like and follow. And Shane, uh, I did want to ask you, did you set up a promo code by any chance for the merch? Uh, not yet, but by not the yet. next episode, I will set something up for early buyers of merchandise. I'll, I'll, I'll hook up something so that at least on okay. the next episode, if you listen, uh, I'm not going to post it. So you're going to have to just listen for it in the episode. Then I'll know if you're truly interested in our show or not. So keep it keep a keep a ear out for that i guess yeah and you can go you can get merch for uh, my third eye podcast and if you enter promo code my the number 3 r d e y e you get 20% off anything in the store so so cool again, go and do yeah, it <laughs> yeah my third eye my number 3 r d e y e 20% off and like Shane was saying five stars ratings and reviews iTunes, hit them up. You know, Bizarre Encounters, Inquiries of Our Reality, My Third Eye Podcast, Open Minds Media doesn't really have its own podcast, but you can go follow it on uh, Well, we Instagram. still got the feed going. It has a featured creator feed if anybody's interested in checking out some new podcasts. It's not really its own feed. It's more just a feed for people to be able to come and find some new shows to listen to. So always okay. worth checking out and giving a review to, too, because, you know, see if you like that idea or not, because if not, I can progress in the future and find a new way to... uh get some new podcasts into your guys ear holes <laughs> yes absolutely and if you don't have the five seconds to write a review go over to spotify hit the listen for five seconds to one episode hit stop and leave a five-star review walk away boom done so that's all i got i don't know if you have anything else shane well before I get into my area of where to find me um if anybody has any experiences that they'd like to share with the with the show whether they want to come on the show and be a guest or if they want to type out their experiences to be read on the show or they want to record themselves talking about their experiences so we can put it in the beginning of the show, any of those things, we would love to hear from you. Don't be scared. Um, if you're a person that wants to share your story but you don't want to be known, we are more than happy to not release names, change names. Um, if you do a recording and you're worried about your voice, I have editing software. I can change your voice anything if you have an encounter don't be scared to share it we would love to hear it and we'd love to get it out to other people and possibly if people connect with us and they have more information on it we can be your little buffer where if you're trying to learn more about your experience but you're scared to step out people contact us about an experience similar to your experience we can pass that information to you and we can be the middlemen whatever you want come and tell us your your encounters we would love to hear them be it paranormal alien cryptid anything weird come and find us but um, if you want to come and find my other show, because I don't want to say my main show, because I want to make both of these my main shows. So uh, 
L-I-N-K-T-R period E-E slash Increase of Our Reality Podcast. On there, you can find my Patreon, which has early access to this show. Um, if you you know just can't get enough and you want to catch the episodes before they even get released, come and check out the Patreon. Uh, if you want to get merch for Increase of Our Reality, you can come check that out over there too. Um, also on the Patreon, sorry, I forgot to add, there's also incre- uh, Big Dumb Increase, which is this little fun swap cast sideshow I do with Kyle Rainey from Big Dumb Podcast. Um, we got a lot of good feedback on it. So if you haven't heard already, um, you know, come check out an episode. Let us know what you think. Um, that's one of those shows that progresses and keeps changing every time we do it to, you know, hopefully become a better and better show. So come and check it out and see what's happening with that. All that is available on the Patreon. Um, if you just want the episodes as they get released, um, you know, I'm available across all streaming platforms. Um, Big Dumb Inquiries is available on the Inquiries of Our Reality feed. So don't look for that as a separate show. Um, and then this show, of course, like, follow, share leave me a review, all that fun stuff. And just know I love you and I couldn't be doing this without you guys. So thank you for listening and thank you for being here today. Much love. But I guess that's it for us. I'm Shane. And I'm Ghost. And we'll catch you on the next one. Bye, everybody. Peace. Stay bizarre. Bizarre.